You're listening to The Dollop on the All Thang Comedy Network. This is a... Mm. American History Podcast, where each week I, Dove Anthony, read a story from American history to my fiend. (laughs) Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. You know, uh, Russell from ATC forwarded me an email from someone who was like, he doesn't need to say about at the end of the intro. Oh, I I, I was going through the, because I have thousands of emails that I haven't read. So I was going through them today and there were about three of those. Uh, hey, listen, man. He uh, he doesn't have to say about. It's actually uh, unnecessary. It's redundant. Right. It's redundant. That's why he's doing it. Right. You know, and my my email, my last name is spelled Renlods, R E Y N L O D S. Sure. And I didn't notice for a while, and then it just was how mad it was driving people. Yeah. Was so the sensation to never change it was immediate. Yeah, of course. I mean, th- this stuff. Everyone needs to calm down. Everyone needs to calm down, <laughs> including Josh Olson. If oh, you're listening, yeah, to Josh, Josh Olson, go relax. fuck himself. That guy, pump the brakes. <laughs> Jesus, I mean, dude, <laughs> we get it. We get it. You're an Oscar-nominated writer. Yeah, we get it. Yeah, I guess get what it. people. Still... You went to the big dance, Josh. We get it. <laughs> people still like to have fun with words, buddy. You're gonna be okay. <laughs> you could be all right. I'm. I'm actually writing a movie called uh, History of Violence about. <laughs> Jam Pat. Jam Pat? I'm the fucking hippo guy. Dave, okay. My name's Gary. <laughs> My name's Gary. Wait, is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tickling Podcast. Okay. This is like anarchy. On a five-part coefficient. Five rounds of play. Now hit him with the puppy. You both present sick arguments. <laughs> no sleep tell hippo. No sleep tell hippo. That action part. Hi, Gary. No. Nicely done, my friend. No. No. <laughs> April 16th, 1865, year of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Uh, women. Hey, is it, what? Hmm? I'm just even the playing field. Amen seems a little, you know what I mean? See my dog back there? A little limiting. See my dog? Yeah, looks like it's stuffed or dead, so congrats on that. Thank you. Wouldn't surprise me either way. One of the great... One, one of the last bat. Sorry, you threw me off by killing my dog. One of the just start with end with an about. It'll help. <laughs> One of the last battles. When in doubt, end with about. One of the last battles of the Civil War was fought in Girard in Russell County, Alabama. The cities of Girard and uh, I guess the town of Brownville were uh, butted up against each other. So they're right against each other. A okay. town in Tuscaloosa County already had the name Brownville. So the post office called Brownville, Alabama, lively. Well, the post office was like, we'll just, we, we, we actually went through some marketing stuff back here, and lively's much better. Yeah, we're not interested in your town name. How about Brownsville? No, no. No, we went with lively. Just totally different. So that's where you all live now. No. We're the post office. So the people who lived there still wanted to call it Brownville. So in 1890, the census had it listed as both Brownville and Lively, just to make things. This uh, okay. <laughs> this is all right. Uh, but they gave up a few years later. 
and the name was changed. Fine, we're lively. Well, no, they changed it to something else. They, ch- oh. they changed it to Phoenix City. What? Okay, sure. Uh, you know, much like the legendary Egyptian mytho- mythological bird. Uh, except, right. oh, they left out an O, so it's Phoenix without the O. Phoenix. 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 We're Phoenix. We're going to rise from the ashes like a Phoenix. We're going to Phoenix, Arizona. I wonder if they do actually call it Phoenix. I didn't look that up. Well, but Phoenix is always one of those weird, like, you know, Phoenix doesn't really have a leg to stand on. The EO situation in Phoenix has always been a bit of an issue. Oh, no, it should be Phoenix, right? It should be Phoenix, but it's Pionix. <laughs> uh, Gerard now... Uh, at this point in time, we're in the ni- we're in the early 1900s. Uh, Gerard now has been nicknamed Sodom by locals in the area. Wait, so okay, so Brownsville's off the market. Yeah, gone. So Brownsville went to Lively. Lively switched to Phoenix, and now you've got Gerard, who's been called Sada- nicknamed Saddam. Uh, Sodom, Sodom. Sorry, not Saddam. Sodom, not Saddam. Sodom. 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 Um, well, that's Saddam and Gomorrah. That's where all the vice and sex and gambling and booze and it's happened, right? So, okay, a lot of immigrants have moved there, and a lot of them started making booze. In 1913, Alabama was a big no drinking state, uh, very cutting edge on prohibition. It's changed. Yes, every candidate running for governor in 1930, uh, 1913 was was for prohibition. Two years before the U.S made drinking illegal, uh, Alabama did. So Alabama's way ahead of the game. Wow. Crazy. Now, this just made more money uh, for Gerard. Soon, right. soon this, the town is sending booze all over the country. Gerard made so much money with its distilleries that a citizen's bank had to be incorporated to handle the inflow of cash. That's amazing, because it does not sound like the town to have a bank. It does not, but apparently... Like, they, they, were, they were against... They were like, ah, oh, god damn it, we gotta make a bank. <laughs> Finally, the state sent an army of revenue officers to take down... An army of revenue officers? Not, it wasn't a huge army, but it's like... Pencils out! Right foot forward! No pad! Hey! <laughs> Oh, oh. Is that? Tittabur! Tip! <laughs> is that the army? Put your step. Hey, boys! Okay. <laughs> That's about all I know. That's fair. So they broke in uh, into the whiskey. Uh, so they broke into the whiskey distillers and the saloons. They made arrests. They poured, poured barrel after barrel of booze into the street. 4,000 people from around the area come to watch. Would it, the, uh, during Prohibition, if you were like a sewer, if you could get into the sewer, yeah. you were just going to get be able to just shit get so much booze. Yeah. Just, like they were just basically like Long Islands just running down the street. Yeah, I mean, right? there's also shit in there. But yeah, yeah, I get your point. Whatever. Yeah, but there's shit in everything. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's a good. That, just a good. garnish. Yeah. If anyone's like, oh, there's a rat tail in here. You're like, that's a garnish, my love. That's right. Put an olive through it. It's a toothpick. And all the booze is going to kill the E. coli, so you're fine. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Dave. You're welcome. There was so much liquor being poured out in the street that children were waiting in a stream of liquor and calling it Whiskey Creek. 
Hey, we're at the Whiskey Creek. Yay, it's fire at the Whiskey Creek. And my chair red in my cheek because we're at the Whiskey Creek. <laughs> it's at the Whiskey Creek. You shouldn't drink the whiskey from the creek. But some of us had a sip from the Whiskey Creek. We had a bit of a drink okay, in the creek Tommy. from the Whiskey Creek. Tommy. We had a drink from the Whiskey Creek. Tommy, can you get out? Everybody, Tommy. Uh, can you, get, went to the whiskey, can you get out of the creek? We went downtown sh- to Whiskey yeah, Creek. Okay, you're sh- yeah, honey, you're shit-faced. Can you get out of the creek now? You're back. You're back. He is shit-faced. You can head out He's there. absolutely shit-faced. We're playing about okay. in the Whiskey Creek. I'm going to drive a car. I'm going to kill a horse okay, in the Whiskey Creek. I stabbed the horse. Make it wild. I killed the horse. At the whiskey creek, it's the kids and go, go to whiskey creek. It, nobody say no. <laughs> I'm saying no. Uh, I've been saying no for a while. At the whiskey, at the whiskey creek. Okay, he's asleep. He's asleep. Let's get him out of there. Even the sheriff was arrested for having booze. So uh, after the raid, <laughs> the town goes right back to making whiskey. D- nothing stops. Right. Uh, now, Good. But now they're just more clandestine about it, right? They're just doing it in secret. So okay. after World War I, Gerard had returned to its criminal ways. Camp Benning was nearby, and soldiers loved booze, gambling, and sex. Sure. Sure. Uh, so they'd come. Seems like a fit. They'd come to right? Gerard, but they're treated horribly there. They're cheated while they're gambling. They're given watered-down booze. If they complain, they're beaten and cut up. They're thrown in the river through trapdoors in the back of clubs. Jesus. So the military declares Gerard off limits for soldiers. Okay. But they still go. The, why would the, I, bet, I mean, it does not sound like the right place to unwind if you're a soldier. No, but they still want to have sex and get drunk. Sure. They'll try. They'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, In 1923, federal agents raided the town again. Over 100 gallons. Raiding a town is amazing. Yeah. All right, everybody. Over 100 gallons of liquor are dumped out, but the booze makers just start up again. Now, that year, Gerard and Phoenix merged into one city. Awesomesville. Well, they called it Phoenix City. Well, not creative land. (laughs) So it had, now it had a population of 10,374. A lot of them worked at the textile mill. And then Fort Benning had 8,000 soldiers. So they could just make a lot of cash. Booze is right. flowing. Morphine is being dealt. Brothels are flourishing. Okay. Now the town had always, since it started, been controlled by a small group of crime families, which we will call the syndicate. During the Depression... Uh, it goes bankrupt, the, t- the city. Okay. There are $1.1 million in debt. So local uh, authorities take a look around, and they see Vice as a revenue producer. And since there's no other businesses, everything's been wiped out, they start issuing licenses for the 
vice that's happening. Who who starts doing that? The city authorities, the city government. So the city is now the city's seeing like how they've blown a hole in their own economy, and so they're like, so we'll we'll hand out vice we'll hand out vice licenses. Yeah. So the so the depression just ruined. licenses. The depression has ruined everything. So they're like, well, this is right. this seems to be going well. Right. Yeah. So they hand out licenses, but at the same time, they hand out tons of fines for gambling and using and selling liquor. So they're sort of doing what we call that? I mean, both ending. Yeah, it's what LA does a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is. Where yeah, like LA is just like we've just declared war on the citizens via fines. <laughs> Pretty much. Like, remember when you like? Like, I remember when I first got to LA. Like, a parking ticket would be like, like a parking ticket. If you get a parking ticket in LA now, you are your jaw drops. Yeah, it used to be twenty twenty five bucks. Now they're like it's it is something like it's like two hundred dollars yeah. every time. It is. I re, I, re, I had a stand up bit about it once. You get fined less for shitting on the street. That's true. Which is so. Yeah. Uh, so if you have, if you, you have your option, yeah. If you want to do that, go ahead. Not if you want to move. I would say move your car. And poop no, if you want to get go a ahead, lower yeah. fine, I'm suggesting you shit yeah. on the street. Uh, but officer, uh, I'm pooping too. In 1938, uh, a gambling syndicate known as the S&M Syndicate created a lottery. It took off. It's super popular immediately. There were so many many poor people because of the Depression, and they all wanted to hit it big. So during one lottery in April 20th, 1938, a huge crowd packed into the club where they're announcing the numbers to hear all the numbers read. And part of the roof collapses. Uh, But just 10 people are injured, so it's not that bad. So the next day, they all come back. And as a matter of fact, it's many more people. So even though the roof caved in, everyone's just like, I got to hear the numbers. And there's so many people in the club that they're pushing against the walls. And a a loading, a a load-bearing wall collapses wait there's enough people that they have like hulk strength yeah they knocked over a load-bearing wall and if memory serves those are important walls yeah yeah there's actually a reason that you put like some walls you'll say that's a wall and this why you say oh that's a load-bearing wall that means that there's a uh, more important holding up the rest of the building right right uh so the basically there's just a massive collapse 24 people are killed 83 are injured. Who's coming back tomorrow? <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't slow down the lottery. Really? I mean, they just need to replace the 24, I guess, but yeah. Oh, my God. So Phoenix City is the place for crime. Uh, there's... Fuck. <sighs> Sorry. Oh, darling. There's loan sharking, extortion, bribery, sex work, drugs, booze, people being robbed. Even grocery stores have gambling. The Bridge Grocery yeah. uh, store had slots, dice, poker, and roulettes. Some stores had kitty chairs, so kids could sit at, sit at slot machines and gamble. Ah, uh, uh, <laughs> dynamite. Just dynamite. <laughs> On the slot machine in the grocery store, you're like, hey, I got three cherries. And like three cherries come out. You're like, hey, hey that is exciting. What the fuck? All right, two bananas. Hey, I want two bananas. Uh... Hey, mister, yeah. don't mind me. I'm just a little down on my luck. I'm on a cold streak. This guy's a cooler, I tell you. <laughs> so, 
So laundry cleaners ran a, ran a lottery. Uh, a barbecue restaurant had a lottery. What? And they're all, I mean, they're all just number lotteries. I mean, yeah, literally everybody just had gambling in every place. Right, right. So people who cause trouble, often they get killed if you cause a lot of trouble. And you end up in the sure. uh, Okefenokee Swamp on the Georgia-Florida border, which is my favorite swamp. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the women who worked at strip clubs and clip joints were called B-girls. B-girls? Yeah. Okay. Is there any... Nope. Just be... Okay. Be sure. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Because of all the pollination. That's right. Uh, their job was to just get soldiers shit-faced and then get all their money by getting spending right. money or whatever. Uh, right. the, their cut was 50% for a drink. So if they if they was, could get so if they a soldier to drink they would get half of the drink cost yeah right okay and each drink was about ten bucks okay now wow. it's nine it's nineteen thirties so that's about a hundred dollars today wow god damn <laughs> so if you just get a guy right. drunk enough who comes in if you find a drunk guy you yeah get, you yeah. get a couple of them and the drinks are all watered down. If a soldier came in with his own booze, the B-girl would pour herself a huge glass, and then the bartender would take the glass in back, pour it into a bottle, and resell it, the booze. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, why? if you're a soldier, why would you... you I mean, obviously come in with your own booze. You're, but you're trying to have sex. <laughs> All you want is the sex part. Right. When the soldiers were so plowed that they could barely stand up, the girls would take them outside and bouncers would beat them up and the girls would also beat them up and then they'd rob them of everything they had, cigarettes, jewelry, whatever they had on them, they'd take. So if you're a soldier and you wake up the next day and you go, whoa, dude, Phoenix City, man, they took all my booze, (laughs) they fed me a bunch of water until I got tipsy that was way overpriced. And then once I had too much of it, they took me outside, robbed me, and beat the fuck out of me. When we going back? Let's do this! Ah! Yeah, this story, uh, all I can think of is just that, you know, they're young. They're soldiers, what, 18, 19, 20? Yeah. Still. And they just want to have, they want to get drunk and have sex. And then the only place Which, to do it is Helltown. So, yeah, and they keep going to Helltown and get robbed. Hey, man, I definitely got fucked last night, but not in the way I was thinking. <laughs> I, you know, I also, there's probably a huge turnover at the base, I would imagine. Um, right. Or maybe not. I don't know. So, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it was so bad that in 1840, uh, General George S. Patton was in charge of Fort Benning. <laughs> oh, man. And he threatened to drive <laughs> tanks over to level Phoenix. We will invade <laughs> Phoenix City. We will take back our booze, and we will water theirs down. <laughs> we will make sure all these men who paid for sex will have sex one way or another. We will not take no for an answer. And by the way, no drinking or fucking. I'm not sure how that affects the battle plans. Let's move. No fucks. No fucks. Secretary of War Henry L. Stimson called Phoenix City the wickedest city in America and that was wow. a nickname that stuck. So now everyone's calling it the wickedest city in America. And I'm sure in Phoenix City they were like, that's awesome! 
Yeah, of course. It's, it is. I mean, you know, I would only you could only really compare it to Vegas. And like the whole thing about Vegas is how they lean into sin and they like yeah. they, they market sin. You yeah. Know? If you told I mean, I don't mean I don't mean sin in the way of like, you know, biblical, but they like vices. They market vices. No, if you told me that I and I was a soldier and they said, oh, by the way, the wickedest city in America is like three miles over. I'd be like, how how fast and when let's and and the caveat of you don't go there. Right. No, yeah. You don't, don't go there. Yeah. Do not go there. It's just fucking and drinking. Don't go there. So when payday came to the base, Phoenix City is just oh fucking overflowing, right? Uh, ton of brothels. They're not exactly secretive about their sex work. Pimps would drive sex workers in the back of pickup trucks down the main street. And then they'd catcall to dudes to try to get soldiers to... It's a pimp-up truck. It's a pimp truck. It's a pimp-up truck. You'll get there. Yep. Yep. If one... Okay. If if a soldier was like, yeah, he'd hop in the back of the pickup bed, and the pimp would drive them around while they had sex in the back of the pickup truck. Wow. Usually from one end to the town to the other, and then they'd stop, and he'd drop out, and another, hopefully another guy would jump in, and they'd just drive back and forth. Oh, my good Lord. So it literally is a pickup truck. That's right. Wow. I'm assuming you'd have one of those crazy horns. Uh, can you imagine, like, actively Can I imagine? Street? I now have a new fantasy. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> and once again, pimp, pimp, real easy job. Once again. It's, a, it's just super always easy for the pimp, but the lady. Super easy. The poor lady's yes, doing no. all the work here. All, the, all work. the work. Well, that's the whole relationship is based upon that. That's, uh, I already think we should get a union and double her salary at the very least. Yeah. And I assume it's a yeah. salary. I assume it's a salary with benefits. Yeah, right. By the end of the mid-40s, Phoenix was collecting about $228,000 in fines. So just fines wow. are just big money. And they're fi- and who's fining them? The police? Yeah, the police, yeah. So the po- so the police department but but again to what like it's a grift, right? Yeah. In a way because it's like you've set up this place where a bunch of laws are going to get broken and then you have a police department that enforces when the laws get broken, but you're you're just making it very easy to do that. Yeah, and and the businesses know it's part of business, so it's just a racket. Right. It's a, just a racket. Right. Right. Um, the whole city at this point is now, ever since the Depression, it's just dependent on vice. That's all it is. Right. It's viceville. That's right. And the syndicate rigs local and state elections at this point to keep control of the Chamber of Commerce, the school and hospital boards, even service organizations. Like the whole the town. School. The whole town is run by the syndicate. Right. So I'm wondering what the school, the school programs are probably not the greatest. Okay, uh, kids, can you open up your book, uh, Fucking and Sucking? And what, yeah. Okay, uh, on page four, why don't you go ahead and read that, Timmy? When you are sucking, mm-hmm. suck it really good. Make sure to also lick. Mm-hmm. Licking is also important. Lick what? Does it say to lick what there? The clit, clit, mm-hmm. clitora, mm-hmm. clitoris. That's right. Oh, it's a dinosaur. That's the Clitosaurus. Sure, it's a dinosaur. The okay. Clitosaurus. So when you see the dinosaur Clitosaurus, lick it. Mm, okay. Then, once the Clitosaurus 
is getting ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not tracking with the dinosaur from what I'm reading ahead here. Mm-hmm. Okay. So keep... uh, why don't you stop reading because you're confused. Yeah. Uh, let's just skip to the next chapter uh, called Hitting That. I'd like to read this one. <laughs> Jack Culpepper was a 13-year-old paper boy delivering papers when he came upon two drunk soldiers playing uh, a game of William Tell, improvised game of oh, William God. Tell. Oh, my God. What? Is that, that, that is not the, that's not the drunk game to play. No. 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 Let's play Arrows. That's the only uh, game you should play for sure while sober. Let's play arrows and apples well, again. They were not arrows. So one had I had a feeling a shot glass on his head, and the other was going oh. to shoot it off with his gun. Uh huh. I'm about to kill my friend and not hurt a glass. Jack quote: Part of his head hit my shoulder. Uh, well, you're jumping to the conclusion. Jack was covered in blood. He shot his friend's head off, basically. That's right. And Jack jumps off his his bike and leaves his bike in newspapers and runs home. He's living uh-huh. he's living with his sister and her husband, and uh, the sister faints, and the brother cleans him off completely and gets rid of the clothes, and then goes out and gets the bike and brings it back home, and then Jack just goes back to delivering papers as if nothing happened. Oh, my God. Well, he's a paper man now. Because <laughs> that's... That has certainly shifted. That's what life was like in Phoenix City. Oh, my God. you imagine, like, having to read the paper from then on? You're like, still not the biggest story of the week. <laughs> What's the matter, Jack? I just keep thinking about when that stranger's brain went in my pocket. <laughs> well, come on. Perk up, boy. You've got papers to put in boxes. Um, a man named Hoyt Shepard owned the biggest gambling house in town. In September 1946, he rigged an election for a drug-addicted councilman to win. So he's got this, he's got this drug addict, and he wants him on the city council. So, I'm really not sure if I'm ready to run, but I, your confidence in me has been unbelievable, man. Yeah. So supportive. Hey, here's, some, here's some stuff. Here's some more stuff. Hey, yeah. So, <sighs> so I'm going to need you, you know, the new yeah. ordinance coming up. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah for you, sure. I'm going to need you to vote yes on that. And, uh-huh. Yeah, and, 100%, man. Yeah. Yes. And if you, if you, if you uh. don't, I got to cut you off. But okay, no, vote, man, I don't need to get cut off, yeah. dude. I said I'd do it. I'll vote yes, right, man. Right. <laughs> Come on. Just check it in. Come on. I'll suck the city's dick for another hit, man. Okay, well, that's that's a couple of weeks down the road. But right now, we don't have to uh, talk about sucking dicks. But you might have to suck all right. some dick. Yeah. All right, yeah. <clears throat> oh, man. I Your confidence has been so key in my run. Yeah. Oh. <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> He buys all the ballots. Hoyt does. Uh, he has sure. he has dead people voting. Uh, he not actual dead people. Uh, this is twenty twenty all over again. <laughs> uh, drug addict wins in a landslide. They have uh, they have a. <laughs> By the way, in this city, wouldn't you, if you were just like I'm addicted to drugs? Wouldn't they be like this is our guy? That's the boy. That's our boy right there. 
He's a man amongst the people. So they have a victory party in a bar that night. That's smart. And while and Hoyt goes in and he sees this guy sitting at the table with this uh, young woman, and it's a guy that he he ordered to leave town ages ago and said, "Don't ever come back." Like enemy competitor type guy, and the guy okay. all of a sudden on this day decides to come back. So Hoyt and his brother Snooks take the take the guy out into the back dice room and shoot him in the head. Come on, Snooks, let's go to the dice room. <laughs> okay, so. And that is the man who is now in the government? No, that guy, it's just a different guy. He's dead. It just happened at the party. Oh. It was just at the... No, 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 but but it wasn't... Oh, okay, so that has nothing... That's just at the victory party. That's just the victory the party. Gotcha. So uh, Hoyt and Snooks are arrested. They have, they have several defense attorneys, because they have so much money, they hire a bunch of defense attorneys, including... Okay. Including longtime Phoenix resident Albert Patterson. Now, Hoyt and Snooks claim self-defense, and they're acquitted... <laughs> Of course. Okay. <laughs> Even some of the defense attorneys were disgusted by the verdict. That's disgusting. I cannot believe that just happened. Holy shit. Can you believe we did this? Oh, I am fucking sick of myself. We have no morals. I am the, I am the grossest lawyer in town. If, I'm putting that on my Ugh. sign. Grossest lawyer in town. I'm, I get God. so many people off, it fucking sickens me. That's how, uh, that's how gross I am. I look at myself in the mirror every day and I go, God damn it, you got another fucking criminal off. What a pig. I'll tell you, if uh, I find myself guilty. Ugh. I feel really guilty. So, all right, well, yep. to the mansions. So Hoyt basically had been paying off cops, deputies, politicians, judges for years. Usually charges are dropped against him. In this case, he right. goes to trial, and of course, nothing happens. One of those deputies that he paid off was a guy named Albert Fuller. Fuller grew up in uh, Phoenix, and he joined the Navy in World War One. Sorry, World War II, uh, where he learned to shoot. Okay. And then he came back to Phoenix. He was usually, at this point, armed with two gold-plated pistols and holsters. Wow. So, like, John Woo was like, right this way, my friend. <laughs> That's right. He wore Western clothes and a white cowboy hat. Wow. And he got a job as a deputy in the sheriff's department in the 1940s. Gold guns. He then set about extorting club owners and became part of the sex worker trade. Okay. So he is, yeah, so he's, he's running cover for these guys and extorting them. He's becoming more and more powerful. Fuller would discourage state and federal officials from finding out about what is going on in Phoenix. He would discourage them about finding out. So he's like, e, don't, don't, yeah, don't uh, hey, no, no. try to learn. Don't attempt <clears throat> to learn. You know how you're looking into what's going on in Phoenix City? You see my hat? You see my hat? White, right? It's all good there. It's all good, man. He sounds like how Peter Billingsley dressed in the Christmas story BB Gun Fantasy. I have no idea. It's a deep cut. We gotta have maple just in the background for all of these. I totally agree. Look how comfortable. Really bringing a lot to this. Look how comfortable she is. Gorgeous. So he took uh, on on average, he took a third of clubs' earnings running interference for law and uh, anything else annually. If for anything, yeah, a third. Holy he, shit! So he's like literally rolling in money. 
Yeah. Brothels explode under Fuller's reign. He's just, he's making it super well, easy for everyone. When I picture a brothel exploding, it's not because <laughs> of financial influx. <laughs> We've got a cum explosion again. <laughs> he was known to flash $1,000 bills and he wore expensive clothes, even though he made what an asshole. $300 a month as deputy. Oh, God. Jesus Christ. Uh, Fuller worked under the sheriff, who also worked for the syndicate. Okay. If anyone was causing trouble, the sheriff uh, sent Fuller to bust heads. So he's basically like... He's the enforcer. Right. uh, He's an absolutely terrible person. He once was having a bad day, so he pushed a taxi driver down a flight of stairs. Oh, my God. You know, you're having a bad day. You got to kill a guy. I got to let this dog out. Oh. Geez, so he just pushed a cabbie down the stairs just because he was having a bad day? Yeah. Uh, it was said Fuller could, quote, shoot the high heel off a whore from 50 yards. Well, that's... They weren't known for those expressions back then. Yeah, also, uh, at, what point, at what point is that useful? She's got a bomb in her heel! Hold on. Got this. Yeah. Uh, in 1949, he was made chief... Deputy Sheriff. Of course. He should be rewarded. This is... Well... Down is up in this town, right? So the worse you are with law enforcement, the higher you will... Like... That's correct. It's the backwards echelon. But that wasn't a position. It was something he just made up for himself. Oh, that's those are always good. And then gave himself the job. Yeah. And a raise. He deserves it. At the time, there was a bootleg liquor war happening between Alabama and Georgia. There was a... Okay. Now now we're starting to feel like we're tracking Alabama again. Felt like we really lost Alabama early. Now we're finally back to our roots. Uh, You know, so they're competing, and Phoenix City was... So they're having, like, an illegal competition, essentially. So there's a couple things going on. There's There's the competition between the two bootlegger groups, and then there's the cops trying to crack down... But the cops right. in Georgia are legit, and then the cops in Phoenix are not. Alab- right. So Phoenix City is giving refuge to rum runners. Georgia wants it stopped. So revenue agents okay. start coming in from Georgia into Phoenix City and, uh, and taking information and trying to investigate. And they're arresting men when they cross the state border into Georgia. And when they start arresting men when they come... Across the border, the corrupt mayor of Phoenix tells the cops to arrest anyone in Phoenix working with Georgia revenue agents. Okay, so now you just have basically two territories off limits to the other territory, right? Well, not, essentially, not not really because anybody for law for any yes for law, the, the for cops any can't, sort of yeah, legal right. enforcement cops right, can't go right, to Phoenix. Right. Yeah, yeah. So Georgia agents are now just walking around Phoenix City gathering, gathering evidence, and then they figure they out... arrest them. They're in plain clothes, so, but they figure out who two agents are, and they arrest them for loitering. Right. Okay. So now... All right. Seems like a good system. <laughs> this is what they say when they say... This is what they mean when they say, leave it up to the states. <laughs> Uh, they released them after a little a little time in jail, but now the feds send an agent down who is supposed to have well, unlimited control. He can do whatever he wants, kind of. Uh huh. 
the agent's like, okay, I found the Fed. He's like, I found out about these these two bootleggers. We're going to raid them. I need two of your best guys. And and the sheriff's like, okay, we'll take Fuller because he's fucking awesome. Oh God! So so the sheriff so so the the feds come into Sin City. Just one fed, and they're one fed, and he's just like, and they're but they're basically just like, I need someone to work with me. We really got to. Fix this down, and they're like, "Let's give you the shittiest, most corrupted guy we have. He'll help you with this." How about my crime By the way, boss? He killed the he killed the cab driver because he was sad last week. <laughs> so, so the bootleggers that they're going to raid are these are probably like Fuller's best yeah, friends. They are. They're, they're two. Hey, guys. look, Fuller's out there. Oh, he's got some weird guy from the city with him. Well, surely he's got to be into illegalities. He's with Fuller. <laughs> so, yeah, so he's, they're bootleggers and Fuller's in business with everybody. So he knows they can rat him out. So they get to the house and he tells the agent, he goes, you go around back and I'll flush him out. And then he kicks in the front I'll door flush him out. and shoots one of them who's sleeping in his chair. Oh, my God. <laughs> so he's just like, I have no allegiance. No, no. 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 Wow, okay. Absolutely not. Hey, Fuller. Well, we got that whiskey for you. Oh, why'd you shoot me? You're my best friend. <laughs> he shot it. He emptied his gun in the guy. The other brother does run out back. He gets arrested, but then nothing happens with it because the guy's probably too scared to talk at that point. Right, right, right. Now, so Fuller, so, so Fuller plays the part of a legit cop for the day when the Fed's there. Yeah. The Fed's like, you know, there's a lot of Ill- illegal booze being run through here. He's like, man, I swear if I knew who done it, oh, mm. I'd string them up, mm. show them a thing or two. Sons of bitches. Hold me back. Oh, hold me back. I'm living at them. Living at them. Uh, Liquor in my town, in my town, under my nose the whole time. Um, another guy. So Phoenix City is also just becoming this massive crime like, so a guy named Pat Webster ran the Phoenix City Card Company. It's all rigged. Everything is rigged. The slot machines, the cards are marked, everything. <laughs> He's so. You can't even win cherries at the grocery store anymore. <laughs> He's so successful with his card company gambling house that he starts sending rigged slot machines and marked cards and anything else that he uses to cheat to other places around the country. So he's basically become a factory he, slash consultant for the rest of the country to set up illegal gambling houses that cheapy. He's franchising scamming. Yes, basically. Here you go. Here's what you need is a rigged slot machine. Okay, here you go. Just a sign that says none of these slot machines are rigged and you're pretty ready. I mean, he's literally a rigged gambling contractor. Right, right. And Phoenix also becomes, Phoenix City also becomes a gathering place for safe crackers. So, oh, wow. Criminals now, so th- this gang starts in Phoenix City. They're the best guys. Criminals from other states now come to Phoenix City to learn safe cracking. It's like a, it's like a safe cracking college. Is this the story of Gotham? <laughs> So, yeah, so you go, so if you are, like, I mean, essentially you have Crime Town. Yes, it's Crime Town. Okay, interesting. Interesting. The guy, the guy who ran the safe-cracking gang was named Head Revel. 
What the fuck? That's his actual name. What? His, he's named after like a fond memory? The sensation of a fond memory? Head, or maybe s- it's head reveling. And maybe he just came out and the mother was like, oh, look at, look at his big old head. What a reveal. You mean reveal. Hey, wait a minute. Uh, so the way it would work is he would give safe cracking jobs to the highest bidder. Now, they have such a name that pe- people from around the country would send them jobs. They'd be like, okay, so this guy has a safe and, and at right. this place. And they would send it to head Revel, and then he would give out the info about the safes and their location to the the safe cracking gang who bid the highest. Right. So you'd be like, wow, you'd be like, so you're even this is I mean, that's <laughs> like general contracting. <laughs> yes, you'd be like, uh, you're getting like house estimates. I'll do the job and you I'll give you 60 percent. And then they'd go do it and they would take their 40 and give him 60 it's name that tune for theft. <laughs> it really is. Uh, I could crack it in 20 minutes less, and I'll take 10% less. And so, yeah, then they come back and they'd split the cash. And they wow. just kind of, they were like big, uh, big swingers in town. One safe cracker liked to spend his off time on the top of the Manhattan Club, where he would sit with his air rifle and shoot soldiers in the ass as they walked down the street. I guess the question is, when does a hobby no longer become a hobby? <laughs> like, when you're shooting people, I think that's when it's no longer your own personal little hobby. I assume an air rifle is like a BB gun type thing? Yeah, it's, it's a pretty close, yeah. But, yeah. It's, a, but still, it's still a rifle. They, it still oh, hurts. Dude, they hurt. Yes. No, I've, I've been shot by a BB. It's not great. Oh, my God. I've been, there used to be the Copperhead BBs, yeah. which would fucking, God, hurt. And so one day he shoots a soldier who turns around and sees him on the top of the building. And then he charges through the club up the stairs. On horseback, I'd like to see. <laughs> yeah, but that's the only way you can do it. And yeah. then on top of the Manhattan Club, the safecracker and the soldier just have a long extended fist fight. Oh, wow. So... Yeah, this is <laughs> very John Wick. At one point, the the safecracker gets knocked down, and he, he grabs a brick to hit the soldier over the head. But he must have been swinging it or something because he drops it, and it goes through a skylight and falls into a poker room and where a bunch of guys are playing poker and just grazes a really well-known gambler. And the gambler just immediately pulls out his gun and just starts shooting at the roof. Oh, my God. And then the two guys having the fist fight have to jump off the building. <laughs> what? What? They did not have to do anything like that. They could have. They, they, I mean, how many? They're like, he's got never-ending bullets. The roof's going to collapse. No, you could like, duck. Duck for a little while. What? Duck for a minute. This is cur- All right. You know what we got to do? We got to jump off the roof. You're damn right we do. <laughs> In 1952, a new law required all gambling houses to be registered. There were 270 registrations in all of Alabama. So the entire state has 270. Okay. 230 of those were in Phoenix City. Wow. 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 So just very centralized. <sighs> so what must the vibe be like when you cross that city I line? I cannot it must imagine. Just been like, oh. 
just smells like theft and screwing. <laughs> smells like theft. So Phoenix City native Hugh Bentley was a very religious man. He taught Sunday school. He owned a sporting goods store. Wait, where does he live? He lives in Phoenix City. <laughs> okay. This is amazing. When I read up to this part, I was like, wait, what's yeah. happening? Somehow these church-going people like Hugh who have legit stores, they have no idea what's happening in Phoenix City in the right. early 50s. He has no idea? He has no idea. He goes to a sporting goods convention in Chicago, and he's talking to another attendee, and he tells him where he lives, and the guy laughs. What's so funny about that, friend? The guy says, I was stationed at Fort Benning, and he calls it the wickedest city. And then he tells he tells Hugh all about... You must be thinking of a different Phoenix <laughs> city, friend. You think about that. That is not what happens in my town. I mean, really, he, Hugh is offended. He, Sir, you have quite the nerve <laughs> to come to me and accuse my beautiful city of such a thing. Well, I don't think one drop of alcohol's been served there in quite a while, let alone pickup truck sex. How dare you? The Lord hath watching. So he le- he leaves the convention, and this is just, he's just like, I just can't. Uh, this I'm, is- I'm just so, I am so pissed at that guy. The nerve to think that something like that would happen in my town. It's all Christians, for God's sake. He goes back and he tells his wife, and she's like, I just, no, that can't, Phoenix City can't be worse than any other city. Of course it's not. This man is just lying for some reason to make himself feel better. So he and a friend, who was also named Hugh, so I decided not to use his name. I'm going to call him the friend. Thank you. Because there's enough names in this already. Thank you. <laughs> so he, uh, he and a friend decide to go down on a Saturday night down to the <laughs> red light district. <laughs> Well, you know, I thought that red area's often been a little weird. Well, it's always seemed a little weird to me. You don't think any sinning's happening down there, do you, Hugh? I doubt that highly, Hugh, too. And it is just, they cannot believe what they're seeing. It is just fucking and gambling just... and drinking, like, on a level that they didn't know was humanly possible. Right. They're going into club after club and seeing all this stuff. In one club, a bouncer won't won't let them in, and they're like, "We're going in. We're gentlemen of the town." And the, the where the Lord hath sent us. <laughs> and the bouncer says to him, "Quote: I'll tear your head off and hand it to you." <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we'll just. Is, what's ne- does next door have appetizers? <laughs> That's sort of what we're in the market for. So they. They come out of another club, and they in the alley, they see a soldier being brutally beaten, as we already know is just what happens. Right. And they try to stop it, and they're threatened with their lives. Uh-huh. So <laughs> okay. they go to the sheriff to report it, and the sheriff's like, just mind your own business. Uh-huh. Okay. And then they go to the police chief, and the police chief's like, yeah, I don't have enough cops to deal with that kind of stuff. And then they go, they go to the mayor, and the mayor's like, I don't want to fucking see these guys. So they, they're literally spending the whole night trying to get someone to deal with the fact that they saw a guy being beaten to death in an alley. Right. And everyone's like, I, and yeah, the, that's not a thing we, we do. We don't have enough police power to stop uh, two people. <laughs> so they give up at dawn. At dawn, they're like, I guess we can't find justice. And they go home. And then... How was it, darling? 
Did you see anything, or was it just as you expected, average? I saw a man's eye come out of his head. Oh, well, doesn't sound like something that doesn't sound too bad, and that's what matters. Phoenix City is as regular as every other town, like we were saying before. Men, grown men were drinking whiskey out of five-gallon jugs. Well, sort of what we were saying prior, that this town is as pious as most other towns, and maybe you saw a thing or two, but it's nothing you can't shake. I saw... The love of the Lord I is... Saw yeah, go fuck, ahead. I saw a fuck truck. Well, one must think that potentially that is just the ways the Lord is trying to keep us excited about solving so many problems. That must be what it is. We're just as regular as any other town, like you were saying before you left. And sure, you saw a man's eye come out of his head and things of that nature. But still, the Lord does love us and the Lord loves this town. This town is a void of sin. There is a blood-soaked paper boy. That just rides around. Well, as long it's great to hear that the journalism is thriving in this town. That's what I hear when you say something like that. I don't mean to undercut it, but it sounds like the free press is thriving. Gosh, we just live in the best place on earth, don't we, Dollface? <laughs> so, he and his buddy the next day after they get a little sleep. For whatever reason, <laughs> I couldn't figure out why. They decided to go back in the daytime. I was going to say. And take a look around. You're, well, you, you've got it. Your mind has just been blown. Like, literally, someone was just like, hey, you live in the Matrix. You're like, no, I don't. And then you walk around and see a bunch of ones and zeros. And you're like, uh. Blown. I mean, they're, essentially, this is the old part of the town that was Gerard. And he lives in what used to be Brownville. So he's living in this right. little church community and he has no I, he, there's no reason for him to ever go to that part of town so he has no idea what's happening there and well, he f- i'll tell you the largest sin i've seen around here is betty's mud pie well that is a sin if i've ever seen one <laughs> so they go during the day they go that day they go down there and they there's a bridge you have to go over and they get to the bridge and they decide well, let's park the car and we'll walk over and they start walking over and they look down from the bridge and there's just this horribly beaten soldier just laying on the riverbank. Hey, Hugh, can I ask you something, Hugh? <laughs> Does that load of twigs and branches uh, sort of looks like a bludgeoned soldier, does it not? Oh, look closely down there. Look at that. Look at that. That is a red, uh, red, red man. That is a very red man. Well, <laughs> All right. They do love they do love face painting over here. They do. Yeah, I agree. This potentially a clown is drowned. That's what this <laughs> is. It's a drowned clown. So they they take the soldier and they put him in the car and they want to they are going to drive him Which to, one of you is going to suck my dick? <laughs> they're going to they're going to drive him to Fort Benning. The soldier is upset cuz they've they've taken everything. They've taken his boots, they've taken every his money, taken everything. Yes. Quote, they promised us a private show. Then when they closed the club, they came after us with spiked brass knuckles, clubs, and chained fists. They took Who needs to add spikes to brass knuckles? It's just crazy. What? They took all my money and my boots. They took my boots. The sergeant will bust my ass for losing my boots. 
The guy's face is like hamburger. He was drowning in a he was dying in a river. He's like, oh man, Sarge is gonna be pissed I lived. <laughs> but that shows kind of how they get away with it, right? They're they're everybody's ashamed of <laughs> right, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So after all this, Hugh Bentley decides he's gonna clean up Phoenix City. And he organizes a group called the Russell County Betterment Association, known as the RBA. The goal is to get the gamblers, the drug dealers, the sex workers, the bootleggers out of the city. Sure. Real easy. So the RBA spoke out against fixed elections, because that's obviously a huge problem. Right. As well as vice and... Then the syndicate starts threatening people to keep them from joining the RBA or supporting the RBA. Okay. Hugh gets tons of death threats. The RBA meets in secret. Honestly, can I just say how it's... I'm relieved that death... Like, death threats are so vanilla. Like... Seriously. It doesn't seem like your death normally got, like, a warning. Yeah, right. No, you're totally right. Um... It's a compliment. Uh, on January 2nd, uh, 9th, 1952, he went to a hospital in Augusta, Georgia for some treatment. I don't know what for, but he had to go. He didn't want to yeah. leave because he had gotten so many death threats. <clears throat> he comes home around midnight, pulls into the driveway of what is left of his house. Oh, no. It had been blown up. He, uh. It had just been blown up. He dives into the rubble to find his family. And somehow they're all alive. His oh my god! Son got blown out of the house. His daughter just found this pocket. His wife's okay. There, I'm actually quite warm. (laughs) I feel nice. I was chilly before. Now I feel lovely. His nephew is in the house. He's okay. They're they're a little. I think the mom and the brother are a little battered, but they're okay. Like they're alive. Right, right. Pretty good for a house explosion. Yeah, no, if a house explodes and you're alive, you're like, wow, okay, that's, right. this is a good outcome. <laughs> Pretty good. Um, so them all being alive to Hugh is like... Oh, no. The Lord is validating my movements. That's right. He is telling me that I must continue my quest to shut down the sin of that town. He, he pulls them out of the rubble. He immediately hits his knees and starts praying to God. And tells God that he understands this is a message to keep fighting against evil in Phoenix City. Let, let me tell you something. We've had a lot of people on this show completely misinterpret things yeah. and just always find reasons why the, it's the Lord's mysterious work. If I came home and I had a family and my house had blown up and they're all basically on the lawn like, oh, oh my shirt's dirty. I'd be like, Lord, you are my savior. Let's get out of here. You are real. So the sheriff arrives and asks Hugh if his oil heater has exploded. Good. By the way, great. What a great cop. Just lovely, lovely sheriff work. So he knows. He knows the deal. Just so people understand, there was trolling well before the Internet. And this is is just a delightful example of trolling. (laughs) What the hell happened here? Looks like what happened? Oil heater? Problem with that? Someone light a match? So let me guess, you were trying to fart into a lighter and it went haywire? 
So Hugh yells at the sheriff, you know damn well what happened here. Demolition experts from Fort Benning come to be a part of the investigation, and they conclude mm-hmm. dynamite had been put under the porch. <laughs> it's, just very, it's, very, it's not very tactical. It turns out that it... We don't want to get caught for this. What should we do? <laughs> dynamite under the porch. Go! <laughs> turns out it was a local guy named Tommy Caps whose nickname was Dynamite. Oh, no. I just realized the downside of my terrific nickname, it could connect me to crimes involving (laughs) such a weapon. Boy, it seems like I'm a victim of my own brilliance. (laughs) So dynamite, there was dynamite under the porch. That's what brought us to your house today. Boy, that's a regular officer. Wouldn't uh, have imagined something like that. You know, they don't call me dynamite because I have an affinity for it or nothing. (laughs) Why why do they call you dynamite? Because, um... Cause, uh, cause they, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause they call me dynamite, not cause it has anything to do with the sticks of dynamite one bit at all. No, no, no. They actually call me dynamite because, uh, because, uh, I, uh, yeah, because, uh, when I die, when I die, which happens a lot to me, I got a condition, the might that I show makes a lot of guys go, nah. So they, uh, one guy just said, one day said, hey, why don't we put it all together out of order and die now, mate? They do not call you Tommy Reasons Caps, do they? Why, no, it doesn't even roll off the tongue. No, but, the, but again, I hate dynamite. I abhor the sticks. Oh, boy, there's nobody's more allergic to dynamite than old dynamite here. I'll tell you that much. Actually, wait, yeah, that's it. That's why I got that nickname. Yeah, 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 because on the cat, I get a rash if I touch the stuff. Some people think rash should be a better nickname, but who wants to go around being called rash? So I pushed back at the meeting. Yeah, I did. I said, no, nah, I don't want to go by rash. I want to go by dynamite. Yeah, yeah. And that's uh, that's why come uh, I couldn't have done nothing with that dynamite under that porch. Uh, I'd I, I, I look like I fell in poison oak if I did it. How do you know it was? <laughs> under the porch. No one said that. Well, maybe it wasn't under the porch at all. Actually, it probably wasn't under the porch. i never even seen a porch in my life. The house I was born in didn't have a porch. My dad told me I'd never have one. He made me swear to God I'd never touch a porch. I swear to God, I can't touch dynamite. And my father's dying wish was that I never set foot near a porch. Okay, he's, this sounds reasonable. So it turns out that Tommy Caps got the order from Deputy Fuller. And (laughs) Tommy was often seen at the courthouse talking to the sheriff and district attorney Arch Farrell, who were both part of the syndicate. The DA was also known to drink a lot and had a terrible temper. And Tommy Caps was a man who took care of problems for the syndicate. And even with all this, Tommy Caps would never be charged for blowing up the house. Of course not. He had nothing to do with it. <laughs> so the bombing had the opposite effect. The, the bombing brought the town together. It was a step too far. The RBA membership swelled. People publicly called out the DA and others uh, at, at this meeting. The local dirty politicians all pushed back, saying Phoenix City was clean and law-abiding. Oh. <laughs> At the meeting, a man stood up and called the DA a liar, and the DA's sister then yelled, quote, don't you call my brother a liar and slap the man. 
Meanwhile, the DA jumped off the stage and ran to fight the man, but the sheriff held him back. And then the DA got dragged back yelling at the man to go outside and fight him. And then the people at the meeting yell that they're going to impeach the DA and the sheriff. And the DA yells, bring it on. So the meeting's not going well. It doesn't sound like it's going very well for the DA in any way. So they try to impeach the sheriff. Cy Garrett, who was the attorney general of Alabama, who's also corrupt, he comes to the sheriff's impeachment trial and as a witness and says that he knows every sheriff in Alabama and he did not know a better man than Sheriff Ralph Matthews. And the sheriff gets off. Wow. It's just like everyone else in that town. That's right. So as this is all going on, right, the town's getting upset. They're trying to impeach the sheriff. The gambling houses and brothels don't slow down a bit. No, it, nothing right. slows down. Right. Now, Albert Pattison, remember him? He was the, he was the attorney of the, of the guy who shot the, the, the two brothers who shot yep. the guy in the dice room right. and helped get him off. So he helped set up the RBA. But then he really starts getting involved after the bombing. He had moved to Phoenix City in 1933, so he'd been there for a while, and he'd also defended a lot of criminals over that time period. But now he's like, this is fucking too much. So he also starts getting death threats because he's now on the other side. And on February 24th, 1952, someone broke into his office and covered it in motor oil and set it on fire. Jesus. Um, okay. It didn't completely burn down. There was a janitor there who, who helped stop it in time. But no one is ever charged again, obviously. Right. Right. Well, who would have done it? Hey, motor oil, you know anything about this? <laughs> nope. Never been near the place. I can't go into offices. Is that mo- I'm too claustrophobic. Is that motor oil leaking out of your pocket? Yeah. But uh, it's not what you think. What? I, um, it's... it's uh, not my motor oil. It's my sister's. I'm holding it for her. So you put it in your pocket? Yeah, that's right. I took two handfuls of it and put it in my pocket. She's going to come get it later. I got to say, this story is really... I haven't heard a story this bad since I talked to Tommy uh, Dynamite Caps. Hey, hey, I got nothing to do with nothing. I didn't even see a thing. Motor oil? I can't touch this stuff. <laughs> so... Has a bit of a spaz. <laughs> so, the fire and bombing, like the combination, they make it makes a lot of the locals realize that they have to vote out the powers right. that be. It's it's at the top right. this this uh, situation, right? Uh, because you know they're all controlled by the syndicate. So, right, the RBA decides it's going to try to win elections to gain control of the city. Elections in May, and. The polls are on Fifth Avenue, just one place. And so voters come from all over town. And the syndicate does their usual thing. They're buying votes from poor mill workers Uh for a buck. Um, The ballots are already marked dead. People who are dead are voting. My ballot's already been voted on twice (laughs) by a dead guy. Yeah, just put in the box. Shut the fuck up. That's all right. Sex workers are being dropped off by the truckload. Some who would yell, quote, what name do I put on the ballot again? Okay. Still, it's an all hands on deck. 
So Head, Head Rebel and his gang block the voting booths from RBA people. They just block them off. Okay. Which is good. Uh, yeah, I'm the bouncer. Uh, the guy, the friend of Hughes who went with him that day, the other Hugh. He, Hugh, yeah. He tries to push through Head's mob to talk to reporters who were on the other side. And a thug grabs Hugh too and spins him around and hits him with a sledgehammer. Okay. So will he be talking to the reporters? It feels like that's probably not going to happen anytime soon now. <laughs> sledgehammer. If I see... Spins him into a sledgehammer. I got to say, if I'm going to vote and there's a guy out front with a sledgehammer, I know something yeah. is off. Oh, yeah, for sure. You're like, how do you do it? Do you, uh, are you hitting a bell? Is that how we vote? So Hugh, too, goes flying through a plate glass window of a store. Jesus. So this dude spin sledgehammers him so hard he flies through a window? Yeah. Okay. Then the group attacks Hugh and his 16-year-old son. Now, Hugh had been an amateur boxer. So he's uh, fucking giving. Put up your dukes, boys. You want a slice of this pie? Come on. Who wants a slice of the Lord pie, huh? I'll ring your bell, fella. So he's giving as much as he's getting. A news photographer, uh, a news photographer is taking photos. Can you imagine waiting in line? All right. Now the newsman's <laughs> taking pictures of the, the preacher boxing the sinners in the town where we're supposed to vote. Meanwhile, his friend, also named Hugh, lies outside in the dirt because he was sledgehammered through the window. Hugh's mother-in-law runs up to a cop and asks for help. But he says, quote, <laughs> lady, they're not going to hurt them. They're using their fists and feet. Well, <laughs> who's ever died from hands? <laughs> The fight ends. Hugh and his friend uh, and the son have minor injuries. Uh, they take a photo of him, which I'll, I'll put up. They'll put up with the episode. But it's the three okay. of them, and they're just bloody, and they're sh- the white shirt's bloody. Right. Um, this picture, national news. It's in the front of every paper. Okay. And as we know, national news, mm-hmm. very helpful for your cause. Always. Albert ran in, uh, so Albert Pattison now decides to run for attorney general. He's the guy. Okay. Because they're like, we got to take the, we got to take this from the top. I mean, the attorney general right. of the state is fucking corrupt. So, I mean, imagine how much money is coming out of Phoenix City going into the state. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, the whole it just fucks up I'm, everything. That's yeah. So he runs in the Democratic Party now. It's. It's the South, and it's the 50s, so if you win the Democratic primary, you're going to win the whole thing. So the primary is really the race that matters. Okay. He campaigned as a, quote, man against crime. That was his slogan. It's cute. Sure. Yeah. The syndicate, obviously, (laughs) the syndicate runs their man against him. Um, Now, the syndicate attacks Albert by starting rumors that he was part of their criminal enterprise and pointed out that he had defended men like Hoyt Shepard and Head Revel. So, so they're like, the only way to win this is to make him one of us. That's right. They're, right. So they're, they're acting, We're so disliked. Right. They're acting like their guy is the clean guy, and this guy... Hey, Albert! Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, enemy. Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in order to focus on the campaign, Albert 
turns his law office business over to his son, John, who's also a lawyer. And uh, Albert ends up winning by 854 votes. So basically it means he'll be, when the general election comes along, he's going to easily win. Yeah. Now the mafia, the syndicate, starts pressuring and scaring the election officials to put aside the win, saying... There needed to be a Stop recount. Stop the count. Count the vote. And there was yeah. fraudulent voting. All the stuff that they had done, now they're saying right. that's what happened. They right. did everything they could to undermine the results. 16 days after the win, Albert gave a speech to a church women's group. And he told them he had a 100 to 1 chance of actually living long enough to become attorney general because the gangsters could not afford to let him get into office. Right. Well, that's that's how we that that's how we talk about our like revolutionary candidate in this country. That's right. <laughs> like, I mean, we're, we're, when you and I talk, we're like, yes, unfortunately, then they will kill they him will kill anyway. Him. But he will win. But they will kill him or her. On June eighteenth, nineteen fifty four, Albert worked late, and at nine p.m. he left his office and went into the alley where his car was parked. A man walked oh, up, shoved a pistol in his mouth, and shot. He then shot Albert three more times. Uh, a witness quote, Albert walked 15 steps with a bullet in his brain and two more in his chest before he fell face down on the pavement at the bottom of the stairs leading to his office. Eesh. A few minutes later, the DA and Deputy Fuller went into a bathroom in Dixie Jones Cafe. There was a soldier in a stall and he heard one of them say, quote, I told you not to shoot him there, you son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, a crowd gathered in the alley. The governor immediately called out the National Guard under General Major Walter Hanna, nicknamed Crack. Sure. So that's what we'll be going General with. Crack? <laughs> right. Yep. Yes, sir. What do you think? We should jump through the window and get these uh, crystals out of our arms as soon as we can. So General Crack was a tough guy. He had tried to enlist in the military when he was just 15. and <laughs> Sir. <laughs> I'm ready. And when the recruiter found out his age, he told him to leave. So Crack tried to deck the recruiter. And then the recruiter threw Crack down the stairs. <laughs> okay, in, in World War II, he was in a bombing. And he had two crushed vertebrae, sh- two shattered knees, and a broken nose but insisted on going straight back into the fight after the field surgeons bandaged him up. Let me go, sir. I'm ready. (laughs) Don't worry. I've got this. So now that's who's arriving. General Crack and 75 National Guardmen arrived in Phoenix early the next day. All right. (laughs) I like the General Cracks on the scene. When General Crack got there, he went straight to the alley where the shooting was. He sees no police line. No deputies, no investigators. And the crime scene is full of locals standing around destroying evidence. <laughs> what do you think, Crack? Not uh, the best scene I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> Just actively destroying. Hey, why don't you guys get some pickaxes? We're destroying evidence. Help us. He immediately drives down to the red light district and tells the gambling places and other crime venues it's over. Okay. In the middle of the night, that night, trucks leave town packed with gambling equipment. 
many wow. Of, so they like listened to him. They were like, "This guy's crazy." Yeah, many of the top syndicate members uh, leave too. Okay, you can only imagine what he said to him. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, well, you have the National Guard and then this guy, you know? You're like, yeah. I think this is the real one. The jig is up. This is closing time. John Patterson, his son, said the local lawmen leading the investigation were the actual suspects. Uh, well, that's... <laughs> but <laughs> that's what we depend... That's what this country's founded upon. Yeah. Policing ourselves. But they're so brazen that they just don't even fucking care. The Attorney General... We think this dog did it. <laughs> The attorney general comes to town and makes a speech saying he was going to take charge of the investigation and catch this killer no matter what. <laughs> yeah. While he's Sheriff O.J. Simpson to lead the investigation for double homicide. We will find this man or woman or running back. Probably not a running back. While he's doing this, the D.A. is standing next to him, taking swigs from a liquor bottle Shit face out of his mind, and at one point he says out, I always hated that son of a bitch. All right, let's not go on record any longer now, please. I always hated that son of a bitch. The DA then says, that. sorry, the attorney general then calls the DA the, quote, best damn solicitor in the state. And Look at this guy. And vowed not to remove him, even if the governor or Supreme Court ordered him to. Yeah, yeah, that's, yep, all so familiar. You're doing a heck of a job, Brownie. This guy, nobody is better drunk than this guy. This guy is the best drunk uh, DA we, we have ever had. Nobody can lead better than him. Look at him. I mean, he's sitting, sure, he's sitting and he's spitting a little bit on his shirt, but that's because he said, he told me he had the warm spits before we came out here. He said vomit is for sure happening. But he's fighting through. That's what matters. Intoxicated or not. And he is intoxicated. He drank the whole car ride down. He said it was something he made in his bathtub. I didn't even really understand. But he did it through a straw. And he looked at me the whole time he drank it. Didn't blink once. Nobody's better. (laughs) So the AG runs the investigation for two days and then goes on a vacation out of state. Uh Well, I'm exhausted. Well, he'd never worked before. He was like, Jesus, being a DA sucks. So remember, go. this is the guy who's the the DA leaving. So then someone else steps in. The acting attorney general takes over, and he immediately removes the DA from the case. Why? Why what? Oh, oh, okay. A week later, he has the DA brought in for formal questioning for 10 hours. Okay. While this is going on, the National Guardsmen are now raiding nightclubs, warehouses, and gambling institutions 24-7. So they're just doing 24-7 raids. Right. There's just pictures of them just taking out gambling equipment, you know, slot machines. The syndicate is being decimated. On July 22nd, the governor declared martial rule. Now, martial rule is different than martial law. Okay. Because with martial rule... That allows all law enforcement to be fired and replaced with military personnel. Oh shit! And this was the Ugh. this was uh, the FBI, Hoover, and uh, the president's call. Like they were like, "Go with oh, it." Oh sh- God! I mean, who are we- <laughs> who do you root for? <laughs> <laughs> who are you rooting for? You're like uh, uh, nobody. So General Crack goes straight to the sheriff and says, you're fucking fired. They're all cleared out. They confiscate all their cop cars. 
They do the same thing to the police, confiscate all the cars. Everyone's fired. Go to the courthouse. The, the DA, everybody out. They just clear fucking house. They bring in military right. lawyers. General Clark brings in 15,000 soldiers. Oh, my God. Wow. Once that happened, all of a sudden, witnesses come from everywhere. They, uh, had, been, weird. they had been scared of everyone in power. And as yeah. soon as they're out, they all come forward. It is very, very dict- uh, like it's like a dictatorship. I mean, really, yeah, is. it is. Small it is dictatorship. Yeah, um, I mean, you're literally killing people who are witnesses. So yeah, yeah, truth, no truth, existence of truth or anything, you know, or law. Yeah, um, a lot of the criminals now just fucking vanish. They just take off. The they still prosecute a bunch though. The acting AG and his investigators park their cars every day in the same spot, Albert. Uh, Patterson was shot and then work in an office next door to his. So they're making a statement with that move. Right, right, right. <laughs> the investigations uh, dragged into November. And then a guy named Johnny Griffin testified before the grand jury that he had seen the district attorney talking to Albert Patterson when bathroom? another man came up oh. and shot him. So he saw the shooting. Okay, right. Later that night, Johnny Griffin had his throat cut as he walked down the street. Wow. They look into the murder. And it turns out it was just some dude. And he gets arrested. He admits killing Griffin and said Griffin had started trouble. And then this stripper that was also there is a witness. She backs it up and says Griffin started trouble. So the biggest grand jury witness... This is just because of Phoenix City. It's just a coincidence that he gets killed by somebody else. Wow. On the night. So they're like, it's an inside job. And they're like, nah, it just was <laughs> just that the, someone didn't like him. It's just our it town. Was just, a reg, just a regular killing. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Thank Okay. Thank God. Deputy Fuller is arrested. He's tried and convicted for murdering Albert Patterson. He gets life in prison, but is paroled after 10 years. <laughs> District Attorney Archer Farrell was acquitted. Many claimed he was the legal brain behind the entire criminal enterprise. The wasted guy? Uh, yeah, the wasted guy. Right. So the, the man in charge of your policy is pickled. Yeah, we should do next. Put a slot slot machines for kids in the grocery store. (laughs) Go ahead. Hurry. Be quick with it, too. Thank you so much. Attorney General Cy Garrett testified for 10 hours about voter fraud and the murder. And when he was finished, he got in his car and drove straight to Texas and checked himself into a mental hospital, which kept him from being tried. Wow. That's like one time I bombed so hard at the improv. I walked off stage without talking or seeing anyone and left and went right to my car. <laughs> I've done that. <laughs> it's like where you just, you, it's so bad you don't pause to do any actual, any, any, there's no housekeeping. It's just <laughs> over, gone. Uh, the new governor came in and he pulled the National Guard out after six months. John Patterson became attorney general on January 18th. So he must have been appointed. Okay. Right. But he's a total piece of shit. 
He banned the NAACP from operating in Alabama. He tried to stop black community boycotts of uh, Tuskegee businesses and Montgomery buses. He was backed by the Ku Klux Klan, and that helped him be uh, win and become governor of Alabama in 1958. Boy, power is awesome. A movie was made about the events called The Phoenix City Story in 1955. It's a noir. It's apparently a very good film. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to. And they used a lot of locals in the film, like a woman who ran a club was in it. And so they actually used criminals. They should be very careful. Hey, where's the gaffer? Oh, my God, he's hanging. Uh, we didn't see nothing. Let's shoot. Um, this is based on Wicked Phoenix City by Faith Seraphin. Phoenix City by Edwin Strickland and Gene Wartsman, and uh, Death, Prostitution, and the Paperboy by Brian Mosley. It's crazy. I mean, you know, that's the thing is that, like, we never get a chance to, like, I mean, Vegas is like that with legal, but as far as, like, Everything being legalized in this country, we're so uh, against that. And the pro- like in a city like that, you're like, well, that, that business model can totally work. It's just that everyone's so fucking corrupted, so you don't get like a fair shot, you know? Uh, but yeah, crazy. I mean, you just think about how this, this country used to be. It just used to be such, it just used to be so crazy. And but, it just... <clears throat> I read a really interesting article by Dan Sullivan, and he, he sort of made the point that, like, organized crime has been pushed out, but just replaced by corporations. You know, what, yeah. is, what is Pfizer? Pfizer is this company that just gave everybody legalized heroin. Like, it's just... Yeah. They pushed everybody out, well, and, and then, then they took over. And then the people who the people who came up with the drug get fined so little compared to what they made. Right. It's a working business model. Yeah. Um, but it still is just, uh, yeah. I mean that that's that's what's so interesting and saddening is like it is so wild and so different, and yet when it comes to like the political makeup uh, or the way that the, you know, no actual checks on any institutions, which is what we live in right now. Mm. I mean, that's the same thing. And to the point you're making about how, you know, the, when they're voting them out, they're voting them out. Like, you know, that is not uh, an option that is, uh, yeah, it's not a really working option we have anymore either, you know? So not to get political, but um, (laughs) just very, very similar, you know, like, how how do you check power when the watchdog is in cahoots with the power that they're supposed to check? It right. just doesn't seem like it'll really work great no, to me. It won't. Oh, but it's working great now. No, it's so that's good. What matters? It's all good. Things fine now. Um, great, great, really nice, yeah. really cute little cute fun cute fun <laughs> time. Only a few people died, which is always nice. About <laughs> three or four deaths that we heard about. Um, it's cool. Yeah. I would, I mean, those are, like, you know, that would be on my time travel bucket list. I would want to go to a place like that. Oh, yeah. Hang out for an afternoon. Just just Just, to see it. Just seriously, just to, like, see it, you know, and just sit there and be like, oh, my God. Yeah. What is happening? Yeah. Everywhere. Uh, And then also go to Sunday school that Sunday. Just watch people be like, the the town is perfect and everything's fine. (laughs) 
just drive across town and it's just yeah white. literally like have you ever gone left on ninth why no why would we well you should try it no no our town's fine um great well we signed cash even though you're not legally allowed to we started signing money well, i didn't know that yeah oh you didn't know that no yeah Wow. Yeah, we're signing money. We sign a lot. I sign a lot of money. I've signed all my own money here. So Yeah, sure. I mean that makes sense. It's all good to go. Ready to go. So if you guys want that, it's two dollars for a dollar. That's the program we have. Do people have we and, announced uh, yet that you're gonna be on the five dollar bill? I think we must have, haven't we? I feel like we should have we should have yeah, we, we have ha- I'm sure we've said it. If we if someone's just tuning in and hasn't listened to the past few episodes um, I'm going to be the new face of the $5 bill. Uh, Lincoln's moving to the three. And I'm going to take the five for about a year or two just to sort of see how it goes. Yep. Um, so, yeah. So from now on, don't be alarmed to see. And if some of you are like, hey, but only presidents go on money. Well, let me tell you, Benjamin Franklin's on the $100 bill. And you're probably going, well, yeah, he's a president. I'm going, hey, I hear you. <laughs> it makes sense in every way that he would have been a president. They could not insinuate that he was a president more, goddammit. But, uh, but no. So I'm going to be on the five for like the next couple of years. And this is promotional. I'm sure we've mentioned this. This is promotional. Uh, purely, could, it's purely a dollar promotion. The U.S. is now allowing people to buy. Uh, how long before that happens? How long before Pepsi can buy their spot <laughs> on, a, on a bill? <laughs> I mean, it is... I, I honestly, I don't even know anymore. Now it's starting to get to the point where you're like, like, I love when people are just like, you know, when history looks back on the Trump administration, it's like, how long do you think we have to look back? <laughs> like, what world are you living in where we have two generations that are going to be sifting through this bullshit and being like, you know, in retrospect, that was, a, it's like, uh. it does make me laugh. I know, all the time. They're like, well, history will look back fondly on this. It's like, eh, no, 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 no. Nope. If you're lucky. Yes. If you're lucky, yeah. there's history. I know, yeah. Well, yeah. I always, I mean, I remember when I was a kid and I always used to, you know, like, I always would think, like, wouldn't it be nicer if, if when so like instead of waiting for someone to die, like when there are these terminally ill people who are kind of iconic, like do the retrospective while they're alive so that they can sit there and you know what I mean? Like so they can go, oh, yeah, I did do all that. Yeah. And then they die in a week and then you go, now nah, they died. But we showed you everything about them and you learned them and you valued them while they were here. You know, that's that's over. Yeah. It's all just going to be, you know, lumps. You're just going to be today's lump. <laughs> and that's what we do. Yeah, it's just lumps. Anyway, no, not to get political. Not to get political. We, want to we do, signed we cash. Want to do that. See on the five, everybody. <laughs> Start using more fives. I get a kickback. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this, uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, 
Dublin, September 17th. And September 19th, Manchester. Birmingham, September 20th. Bristol, September 22nd. And Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun. Half Hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help.